giant robot smashing into other giant robots. This is the Giant Robots Smashing into Other Giant Robots podcast, where we explore the design, development, and business of great products. I'm your host, Chad Pytel, and with me today is Chris Toomey, Development Director of ThoughtBot and host of one of our other podcasts, The Bike Shed, which you can find at bikeshed.fm. Chris, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Chad. So today is uh, is an auspicious day. Mm-hmm. It's a different different thing that we're doing here. Yeah. So we are going to be releasing Upcase. We're going to be making it free and sharing it with the world widely and openly. So what is Upcase, Chris? <laughs> Upcase is a subscription learning platform that we've been working on for, I would say, a little over six years, somewhere around that time. Mm-hmm. It's lived in a, a number of different forms. Initially, it was ThoughtBot Learn was the name, uh, and it had videos of our workshops, and then slowly we grew it over time. Our books would live there, additional screencasts, which we would organize into trails, which are sequences. For instance, there's a Git trail, it teaches you everything you need to know about Git. Eventually, we layered in a coding exercise system, so you can go in and actually start and work on a, a purposeful coding exercise that we've designed to help you learn a particular topic. We have flashcards in there. We have a weekly video series that we were running for a long time where we were talking about whatever new technologies or frameworks or patterns that we were interested in. So Upcase was similar to our blog, a way for us to share the things that we're learning, the things that we're interested in, and really to provide a different type of resource than what we were seeing out there. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of introductory materials, but in a lot of cases, we saw that there was a gap in the intermediate things. Right. So you broadly know you've like moved around on the command line, but you want to master it. You want to really feel comfortable in there, or you want to pick up Vim, or test-driven development is actually a core piece of what we do on Upcase, and that's because it's something that we go into a lot of clients, and they say that that's something that they want to learn, but there aren't clear resources for getting that initial exposure and then really putting it into practice. Yep. So that's an area that we've really focused on. Tooling is an area that we've really focused on. Uh, we have a lot of great Rails content on there. Right. So all that stuff was behind a paywall, mm-hmm. but now it's not. Yes. As of today, this is the official relaunch of Upcase as a free service. So previously, it was $29 a month. Folks would come along and they would subscribe. And we've made the strategic decision that uh, we kind of like it when things are free, when we can share a little more openly. And so we've opted in this moment to do that with Upcase. Yeah. So all the videos become available. I think you need to log in in order to view them, right? Yes. But we have GitHub off, so it's a one-button click, and yep. then, then you're on the other side, and you can watch anything you want. And what about the other things, like flashcards? Flashcards are completely free. That one you don't even need to log in because I mm-hmm. couldn't figure out a good way to <laughs> have people log in and then do it. So those are completely free. And yeah, so the flashcards are like quick. You're waiting for the train or mm-hmm. the bus or something like that and just get some quick questions about Ruby and, yep. or those kinds of things. The exercise system? So the exercise system was an interesting one. That was one of the more complex pieces of the technological stack in Upcase. And also one that we saw a little less engagement with than we would Mm -hmm. have expected. So we've made the choice to essentially archive the exercises into GitHub. So we have a separate GitHub organization that we've set up. And each of the exercises, we've ported over all of the content. Each exercise actually existed as a Git repo. So it was just a question of moving it onto this new organization, building up a readme to capture the notes that sort of lived in the old system. 
but previously we'd built something that was sort of equivalent to GitHub for PR review and things mm -hmm. like that. So now these are going to be exercises that people can still work on. For the majority, the vast majority of the exercises, we also have a featured solution. So this was one of the many solutions that existed within that system that we as ThoughtBot had deemed to be most in line with what we would recommend. Mm -hmm. um, so that has also been brought across as a feature branch on each of these repositories. And then from there, folks can clone them down, they can work on them. But again, the goal was just to get things outside of that paywall, get them right. exposed to more people. So that's another example where you don't need to do anything. You can just come along and clone the repo and go to work. And it, each repo should be fully self-contained such that you can work on it. Yeah, and, cool. Yep. What else? We have a forum that is mm -hmm. associated. Most likely over time, we'll transition that into a read-only mode, but it currently has a lot of good content, discussions mm -hmm. about the videos and the exercises. And again, our sort of theme and core value of ThoughtBot is to share, share right. widely, share often. Should we just consider like just making that a public forum and see how active we can make it? You're putting me to the spot on a podcast <laughs> right now, but uh, my plan right now is to leave it open and see what happens. Okay. Leaving an open space for comments on the internet is always an interesting one. Right. So I'm going to monitor it and make mm -hmm. sure that the conversation remains polite and reasonable and useful. I think there's a required minimum number of people engaging in a forum for right. it to be useful. And if it's below that threshold, then basically, well, nobody goes there anymore. It's, it's right. too empty sort of thing. Hopefully more people will come when we make this whole thing free. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like that's a pretty good deal. So <laughs> presuming that does happen, then I'm interested to see if that actually sort of awakens the forum right. and brings that back. So for now, it will stay open. And if everyone is polite and friendly and supportive of each other. You heard them. If you don't, if you don't behave, it's going to get shut down. Uh, Read-only <laughs> mode, not shut down. I don't believe in destroying information on the internet. It's one of my core beliefs. But beyond that, there's a search functionality within the system. Always interesting to try and build information architectures and make information discoverable. I can see that actually evolving over time. Mm -hmm. Now that people have different ways to come into this system, I'm expecting there are a lot of pages now that used to only be visible to folks who had a subscription right. that will now be visible to everyone. Mm -hmm. So every single video page is its own distinct landing page at this point, uh, which is sort of an interesting question from a Google perspective. So I'm actually kind of excited to see what happens there. But people will be landing on these leaf node pages within the yep. system. Again, I think I'll sort of just watch, and I don't have any immediate plans. But it will be interesting to see the journey that people take through the site now that they can start anywhere and mm -hmm. go anywhere. Yeah, and everyone is probably not super familiar with Upcase, all the details. So when we say, like, oh, there's videos, mm -hmm. we don't just mean, like, one-off screencasts. Like, there is a workshop, test-driven Rails. Mm -hmm. That consists of, do you know, know off the top of your head how many videos? Um, we re-recorded it not too long ago, and I think it broke into more pieces. So I want to say it's like eight or nine videos, right. each 10 to 15 minutes, something mm -hmm. like that. And it's based on the workshop that we used to give in person for $1,000 a person yeah. <laughs> of this is how you develop web apps with Rails in a test-driven way, mm -hmm. or this is how we do it. So we think it's going to be really valuable to yep. people, and that's one of the reasons why we wanted to open it up to yep. bring it to even more people. Yeah, the Git course that I produced is, uh, I went back and I checked, it's three and a half hours right. across 11 videos. I don't, I don't know how that <laughs> happened, but um, actually I, I do, and I'm, it breaks into, I think, interesting pieces. And so there's both a nice cohesive linear thing that you can walk through, but there's also now the ability to just say, oh, I, I think you need to learn about the object model of Git. That's right. the most interesting part. So we can both point people to that as well as the whole trail. 
We've also organized things by topic. So for instance, testing is a sort of theme across mm-hmm. Upcase. And on the testing topic page, we have the uh, Foundations of Test-Driven Development, I believe is the name of the course, which is a more introductory mm-hmm. discussion about what TDD is and how to think in that mindset. Then we have Test-Driven Rails, which is now let's practically apply that to a Rails app. And then we have a number of uh, supporting exercises and other videos that explain more specific topics like page objects mm-hmm. is one that we've dug into. And so there's a lot of great content around testing with some continuity across them saying, okay, you should probably start with this one, then move on to this one, then on to any of these topics. So when you subscribe to Upcase, you got access to the code that was running Upcase. Mm. Are we going to open source? Ooh, this is a good question. Um, Yes. (laughs) Great. We will obviously be doing that. So it's interesting, Chad. A lot of people have have worked on that app. It's in in an interesting shape right Mm -hmm. now. We've done our best. I think it's a it's a really good example of what can happen to a code base when it moves between many different people's hands. Well, I think it's still yeah. representative of how we build software. Right. I mean, it's a the app was first created in 2008. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what version of Rails it would have been at the time. Do you know? In 2008? Yeah, it would have been maybe three right. something, but maybe even yeah. two something. It's possible. It's transition, but I just think when you build a real business, I mean, we've we've done over a million dollars in business mm-hmm. through that app. Like, it's going to grow and change yep. like any real thing. And I think we never compromised on our principles mm-hmm. as we were working on it. So it's a fully test-driven app, yes. and we've done the best we can to evolve it over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been 10 years. It has been 10 years. <laughs> Uh, it's been a lot of different folks coming into it, but again, the constant efforts to maintain it, those you know, like the, the test-driven aspects, the constant refactoring is one that's interesting. It also has a, a reasonably complex domain model in terms mm-hmm. of what were the subscriptions and things like that. So yes, we will definitely be open sourcing that along with, there's a handful of repositories. A few episodes back, I talked with Derek about service-oriented architecture and used Upcase as part of the case study there. Mm -hmm. Because Upcase itself started as this one monolithic Rails app. And then when we built the exercise system, there was a lot of conversation in the community about SOA and about microservices and about things like that. And so we thought, this is a good time to try this out within a domain that we understand within a code base that we own it was also so different than the existing app functionality that Ben didn't yep. want to introduce it into that app. And then also at the time, he viewed it as an experiment and he wanted to be able to kill yep. it if, if it was. Oh, <laughs> well, I'll be doing that soon. <laughs> yeah. um, archiving it. We're going to archive it. But it is interesting. It's impossible to see the like the counterfactual of what if we had kept all of that code inside right. the main upcase repository. But um, that code base is very interesting in that within it, there are other experiments. So we'll we'll share all mm-hmm. of that because I think there Isn't are... there a separate service too that's like a Haskell diff yep. thing? That one actually worked out exceedingly well. Mm-hmm. I don't even know where that one lives. I ran Upcase for close to two years and have been sort of tech support for it for years after. I have no idea where it is. It just keeps running. Nothing. <laughs> not, it's a, just, it keeps going. It's not necessarily a good thing. Joe I, knows where it is. Yeah, if I not. needed to find it, I could go talk to Joe. Mm-hmm. But every other aspect of that system, yeah. I you did have to, to go talk right, to Joe exactly. and learn where they live and have done routine maintenance yeah. on them. Whereas the diff parser just runs. But so the, the diff parser, whenever someone would push up a solution to one of the exercises that we were providing... The system would tell the diff parser, the diff parser would analyze that diff, return us a JSON representation of it. 
which we would store and then render in the UI. Yeah. And it worked exceedingly well. It was an example where SOA, like we have this tiny little thing, maybe if we just extract, I almost thought of it as like a function. Mm -hmm. um, and it was initially written in Ruby within that code base. Right. And it was extracted out and just said like, what about this little bit of functionality? Let's just carve it out, put it over here. So that's the way that's running now. We also have the Git server itself, mm -hmm. which is a distinct piece of technology. That's a Gitalite instance, I want to say. Yeah, I think that's right. And it's running on a DigitalOcean droplet. And again, that's that's an area where I have had to go in and, and do some things. Um, we ran out of inodes one time, which was a weird thing. And I wasn't terribly familiar with that as a concept before that day, but then the system stopped, so I had to figure it out. But each of those pieces, the aspects that we own, we will definitely be open sourcing because, again, that's just core to who we are. It'll be interesting. I want to I want to try and do that in a purposeful way and figure out like, you know, point people to this is where this part of the app is and this is where that is. Right. But at a minimum, we'll start with and right. they're open source. I think now blog posts would be probably a good way to do it. Yeah, blog post summary of the architecture of Upcase and the lessons yeah. learned therein. This is just brains and I I honestly <laughs> I don't know if you already have this planned, but like I think it'd be good to make blog posts about the individual like trail maps and mm -hmm. that kind of stuff again. Yeah being like, hey, we've got this trail, and it's the Git one, and it's amazing, yep. and it's got all these pieces, and it's free. We're definitely going to be doing that. The other aspect is there's room now for sort of uh, long tail link building. Mm -hmm. um, I feel weird when I say that, but uh, it's the thing. Like, the subreddit for Vim historically would probably not have accepted right. the on-ramp to Vim course that we have because it's a paid resource, and they're looking for free resources. But hey, now we're a free resource. Right. And now, no qualms, no equivocations. Here you go. This is content that we believe in. I've watched a lot of M courses, and I do believe that one's the best. <laughs> so being able to share those a little bit more widely using our platform with the Giant mm -hmm. Robots blog, but additionally then taking the show on the road. But for now, the immediate focus is actually the, the initial launch. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to take this moment. This is why we've, we've been doing this a little bit in secret. So... I'm actually surprised that no one's called me out because I've done, there have been a lot of pull requests against the Upcase repo. Right. Making changes that reference the word freedom and other things and saying, <laughs> now there's no more links to subscriptions. And people do have access to the repository and are watching it. Right. So I'm kind of surprised that no one's come along and been like, uh, wh what are you doing there? Right. What's going on? But uh, thus far, no one has. So that that's important to know. So if you subscribe to Upcase today, you've now been charged for the last time. <laughs> like, you're not going to get charged again. You right? will not get charged again. And we're figuring out prorated refunds and things for, mm -hmm. like, the day that the transition happens. That's the day that things are free. And therefore, mm -hmm. you don't owe us that money anymore. And, and we'll sort that out. Yeah. I had some grand plans of trying to get ahead of that and stopping charging. But then things were complicated. And I was worried that that would blow the secret mm -hmm. too early. So we opted for this route. But um, it has been interesting. Part of the work has involved a long-running feature branch which it's just a thing I don't fundamentally I believe in. It gets more and more comfortable every day that one happens. Yep. So there are pull requests that keep opening and they're referencing this feature branch. I keep merging them into master every single, I just have, <laughs> I have Git scripts that automatically handle this stuff for me and I just keep merging them into master and then having to disable the force push protection on the upcase repo, mm -hmm. force push master to set it back to normal and then copy some things around luckily there's that wonderful course on git on upcase <laughs> that i was able to reference for the necessary techniques that i needed there we tell clients not to do this there's a reason we tell clients not to do this mm -hmm. this is one of those rare situations where i really couldn't think of any other option there have been things that could go into master and have gone into master but we've fundamentally transitioned the branding so everything's red now it says thoughtbot 
those we could have snuck in. But this the, is so extreme that you could almost think about it like you could have forked the repo <laughs> and just been working in the fork in master. Yep. And then merge that fork later on. Like, yep. And that's really not that different than a long-running feature branch. No, and I definitely did think about that. Mm-hmm. But um, we also, we being me, a long time ago, did a technically complicated thing of moving upcase so that it lives as right. a subdirectory on thoughtbot.com. So if you try and go to upcase, it's thoughtbot.com slash upcase. If you try and go to upcase.com, you'll get redirected there. Mm-hmm. Lots of fun technical adventures. There's a giant robots episode in which I talk, well, probably actually a few of them where I talk about this because that uh, turned out to be kind of tricky. But that is the technical infrastructure. So thoughtbot.com is also its own Rails app. Mm-hmm. In front of that, we have Fastly acting as a CDN. And Fastly is, uh, it uses Varnish under the hood, which is um, proxy management, caching, et cetera. I mostly know it through Fastly, but uh, they do expose the full configuration language. So we were able to do whatever we wanted. And I'm now actually toying with doing even fancier things in there. But Like what? We used to have a much more complicated architecture of the system. You could be uh-huh. a subscriber, oh, okay. but you're going to cancel soon. Or you previously were a subscriber. That's a different state of user. Or you're a truly signed out guest. And mm-hmm. there were... I would say there were at least four different states of user that I used to keep in mind and Mm -hmm. have different calls to action for and things like that. Now, it's very simple. You're signed in or you're signed out. If you're signed Mm -hmm. in, you can see everything. If you're signed out, you can see most things. You probably can't play videos, and that's just about it. But it means that each of the signed out versions of pages are very cacheable. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of rendering that happens there, and they're a bit slower than I'd like. And particularly, again, if things go well, there's going to be millions of people (laughs) hitting this site. (laughs) Or, I don't know, like... A thousand, but still, I, I want to make sure we're prepared for that. So I'm right. thinking about what can we do for caching. Uh, we will still ask people to sign in just so that we know who's out there, uh, who's watching the videos, things like that. But otherwise, it is completely free. That's crazy. It is crazy. <laughs> so why why would we possibly do a thing like that, Chris? Well, we've been on, I think, a little bit of an adventure over the past, I think it's about a year now, where we've been refocusing things here at ThoughtBot. We've been thinking about what we do and how we spend our time. And we recognized that the three products that we had, we did really enjoy working well, on them. So we took it at each product. It's not mm-hmm. a matter of whether it's the best use of our time, but rather, are we trying to create a successful business out of this? Right. Or is it a hobby? Or is there some other way that it could be really successful? Mm-hmm. And so with Formkeep and Hound, it was time for those products to find a new place to live with someone that could take them to the next level. Right. And with Upcase, we looked at that and said, we love Upcase, but in some ways it would make more sense to have more people using Upcase and to help grow ThoughtBot's reputation and be quite honestly, like marketing for our core business, which is consulting, than to be a paid subscription service that we're continually working very hard to try to grow. And despite those efforts, it hasn't really grown beyond a certain level. Uh, yeah, I think the, the key things that stand out in my mind are form, keep, and hound. I think they can exist in a world without ThoughtBot, whereas right. Upcase was always more intrinsically tied to who we were. It's sort of our story and our beliefs about how to build software. And additionally, when we thought about different options for what we might do with Upcase, uh, whether it be selling it off or closing it down, all of those sort of made us sad. And we still wanted to be able to share all of the content in there. That's 
so core to who we are as a company and how we work with our clients, how we work with the teams that we get embedded into. And the idea that we wouldn't have this content and be able to share that moving forward was something that sort of a non-starter in our mind. So eventually each of the conversations kind of kept circling back around. I was like, I think I think the only thing to do is just make it free, set it free. And they say, if you truly love something, that's the only reasonable step forward. So yeah, you know, like we said at the beginning, we have a long history with education. You know, we started doing in-person workshops in 2008. And that's when we first created the app that is actually still Upcase. I think it was for taking lunch orders, if I remember correctly. <laughs> no, it was for allowing people to register for the workshops. Okay. But one of the things that you did when you registered for a workshop, because it was in person, we provided lunch. Yeah. And so we we asked it whether you had any dietary restrictions. I very sincerely believe that that was the entire purpose <laughs> of the original version. So I like that you've clarified that for me and for the audience. Yeah. Then from a workshop, in-person workshop registration and offering system, and then it became Learn. And that was when we took the trail maps that we had, which was a a lot of free content. Mm. And Learn became the go-to place for all of our educational content. So books, trail maps, the in-person workshops. And that was in 2012. And then once we had everything together, we started to see two things. We started to say, there's something really good here, like as a standalone thing. And the other thing we saw was, the number of people in our in-person workshops, because we were only doing them in Boston and a few select other places, kept on going down. And so we said, maybe we can bring this to more people by putting the workshops online. And once we started doing that, that was when they were individual purchases and then eventually subscription service to get access to all of that. And then that's when we renamed it Upcase. So the the workshops existed for a while, and then slowly we started adding more content. And it's been interesting to watch the evolution in all of the different forms it's taken over the years. Yeah. Uh, and then additionally, the branding changes between... Initially, it was very clearly ThoughtBot Learn. It was red. It was all of those things. Then it became Upcase, which was blue, and the brand started to shift away. And then at various points, uh, I particularly tried to pull it back towards ThoughtBot and tried to more strongly associate those. And then it sort of ebbed away again. And now finally, I've, I've had my last uh, go of it. It is very red. It says ThoughtBot <laughs> in a bunch of places. <laughs> Lindsay, our uh, VP of marketing, was very clear on the need for the word ThoughtBot to be on those pages in a bunch of places. Yeah, I think part of the theory was we looked at the competition, Code School came out of a consulting company as well. And was blue. And <laughs> Yes, we specifically chose blue. <laughs> That's the color um, of online learning yeah, platforms. Yeah. You know, Treehouse, Pluralsight, there are all these sites. And like, you know, so we said maybe we can create a brand and try to create a separate business mm-hmm. out of this. And, you know, it was okay, but it wasn't as successful as we needed it to be to really justify being a standalone thing. Right. And that it seemed like it's more successful when it's actually associated with us. Right. I think there's sort of an activation energy that would need to be reached there where Upcase would need to be strong enough as a brand and as a distinct thing for that to make sense. Right. And getting to that point was very difficult. Yep. And additionally, having this other strong brand and voice of ThoughtBot, I always wanted to bring that. I was like, but I want to talk about the ThoughtBot things. I want to say ThoughtBot stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I think there was a little bit of a tension there. But again, I think it was... Again, I found it to be such an interesting exploration of different ways to approach a business and branding and things like that. And personally, I got to work on it for an extended period, and I got to 
work in a different mode than I typically do on client projects. I got to run Upcase as a business in addition to doing some of the, the actual development and content work. But I got to think about it as a business, think about the decisions we were making, marketing and sales and things like that. And I'm extremely grateful for that time because I think it's given me a lot of empathy for product managers. I've noticed that the conversations I have in my post-upcase time versus pre-upcase time are very different. If nothing else, there's a lot of, right, I absolutely see why that is something that you're asking for. And let me try and Mm -hmm. clarify why that is going to be too costly from a development effort or something like that. But there's always the idea of like, yeah, no, I I get the pain that you're feeling. And Mm -hmm. That is an aspect of it that will be interesting moving forward that, unfortunately, we won't have as much room for that. But I think a number of folks got to spend some time on it, and I think it was a wonderful piece of the whole upcase story. Right. Well, I think this factors into the decision that we're making now to focus on. So we have limited time for doing things that are outside our normal core business of consulting. And if we have limited time and we're getting limited returns on it, then spending time on all of the business aspects of Upcase is difficult if we're not getting the return. And it's not really what we started with or what ThoughtBot's about. Like the individuals at ThoughtBot are more interested in sharing what they know. Mm -hmm. And so in theory, we'll now have whatever limited time we have we don't need to worry about building a business. People can just make that screencast that they want to make or (laughs) do whatever they want to do. Yeah, and I think that's an important aspect. We're not making any clear decisions around what content will exist in the future, but this certainly is not us getting out of the content or sharing of right. information game. If anything, it's just realizing that you know our purpose, which you can read at thoughtbot.com slash purpose, is that we believe that there's a better way to work and we want to share it with as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. And another tension that you had was we would create these really good things that we wanted to share with the world. And the individual designers and developers at ThoughtBot would hesitate to point people at them because they knew they would need to pay in order. It's not in our nature to say, like, buy this thing in order to get our knowledge. Right. Through the blog and through everything we've ever done, we're more comfortable with what we do being free than I think we are trying to create a business out of it. Yep. It's certainly an easier default mode. And I definitely have felt that tension of, oh, yeah, I, uh, there's a thing in the Git course about this that I would love to share with you. But unfortunately, even in cases where we're working with teams and we would sometimes give away one or two months of team membership for a team that we're working with, but there was still the effort of setting up the team and getting things configured. Now people will just be able to go and directly view the content, which is great. And that means that like, I know for me personally, I'm going to be putting a lot of upcase links into PRs and things like that because there's a lot of great words and, and video that we've collected over the years and things that we're deeply proud of. Right. So how are you feeling about all of this? I mean, many listeners of the podcast followed along with you and Ben mm-hmm. as you worked on Upcase. Mm-hmm. So how are you feeling about it? How am I feeling? Oh, it's a whole combination of feelings. One is I'm very excited for this to be done. This is a classic example of like, all right, we'll just uh, we'll make it free, mm-hmm. which is like one sentence that hides so much complexity. And uh, I've really tried along the way to do the MVP thing to do. I, I think we have done that. But unfortunately, the MVP was bigger than we expected. So this has taken a lot of time. Um, we're also trying to do it in a purposeful way, trying to market it well and things like that. And there's a lot that just needs to converge at a given point in time. So I'm very excited for that to be done, for us to have actually locked that in, transitioned this whole thing into being free. 
Uh, and then I'm frankly ecstatic. I'm super excited to have this content out there. I've long been a huge believer in Upcase, and frankly, someone who like has watched almost every video on Upcase, mm-hmm. only the ones I was in because I was reviewing them. But actually, sometimes I do go back and reference my own content, which is, uh, that's a magical thing where I'll like, ah, I feel like there's a video on Upcase about this. Go to the search, type in some words, and find some things that I wrote a year ago when I fully understood a topic and be able to reference that. Um, yeah. That was actually always a theme in my mind when I was working on Upcase was the idea of it as a reference library, as folks' external brain. So introducing the search was one thing that I did to try and get us a little bit closer to that. And so that's worked for me, but that's because I have an Upcase subscription that you pay for. So I, thanks. That was nice of you. Um, obviously, working at ThoughtBot, we all get access to Upcase. But I'm really excited for that to be true for everyone and for us to be able to share this content more widely and be able to reference it in pull requests and tweet about it and blog about it and right. be even more free and open with this content because I really do believe that we've got some great resources in there. Yeah, I do too. And I'm excited about this next chapter because I was product manager at Upcase when we first started it. And it comes from a place of we want to share this information with as many people as possible. It didn't come from a place of we want to build a successful mm-hmm. money education site. Yep. And so I'm very comfortable and excited to get back to that. Right. And had we not approached it the way we did, I don't think it could exist in the form that it is. Like mm-hmm. We needed to pay for right. that content generation some way. Right. Me sitting alone in this very studio, actually, talking to myself about Git for a week at a time, wasn't free. Right. But now that we're past that, we've made that investment, we've made back, and I'm not sure what the overall uh, (laughs) (laughs) number there is, but... I uh, wouldn't say we've made back. (laughs) An amount of money has, anyway... An amount of money has changed hands. It's it's a classic case of we couldn't be here without having gone through the path that we went through. And additionally, I think it was a really interesting exploration uh, for a number of us to get to work on a product, to get to explore these sort of things. But at the end of the day, making it free feels right. Feels mm-hmm. like the most thought thing that we can do. And uh, I'm excited to do it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> you can subscribe to the show and find notes for this episode at giantrobots.fm. If you have questions or comments, email us at hosts at giantrobots.fm. And you can find me on Twitter at cpytel. This podcast is brought to you by ThoughtBot and produced and edited by Tom Obarski. Thanks for listening and see you next time. This podcast was brought to you by ThoughtBot. We are experienced designers and developers who turn your idea into the right product. With local studios in Boston, San Francisco, New York, London, Austin, and Raleigh, let's build something great together.